Welcome to another episode of the Pop and Jay Show. Yay! Hi, Pop. Hi, Jay. Uh, Jazz, how are you? I'm great. And all of you out there, if this is your first time listening and you're wondering, who are those fun, brilliant-sounding professional podcasters? Whatever is this enchanting Pop and Jay Show all about? Uh, let me tell you. We are a father-daughter team. We've been doing pretty much all that a podcast entails, uh, except for the recording and posting it, and for decades, for for as long as I've been able to talk. Decades? Man, that I just felt a strong chill of old wash over me. Mm-hmm. Decades. Yeah, we have been talking forever. Actually, from the time you could first start making sounds, you were talking, and I was encouraging you and saying sounds back at you, so... Really, we've been doing this for as long <laughs> as you've been making sounds. Uh, but way back in my day, we didn't we didn't worry about podcasts. We just talked to our kids until they talked back, and then we had to do it uphill both ways in the snow, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah we like to talk. We talk about what? We talk about philosophy, religion, politics, nice, light, and fluffy issues. Yeah, very light. And so far uh, in the show that we're now doing regularly, are we doing it regularly? I guess we are. We have talked about the Holy Trinity. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. And intrepid listeners will re- remember that last time we talked about animals in the afterlife. Afterlife, that is. Were they there? Spoiler alert, we did conclude there will indeed be bacon in heaven. Mm, thank goodness. So what are we gonna what are we gonna fry up this time for the listeners, huh? huh? Ah, well, it's funny you should ask because for once I think we actually have a solid plan, and we'll see where this plan takes us. Uh, by the way, in in my past life and my current life, we know full well that no no plan survives first contact with the enemy. So, uh, however well planned we think this might be, we need to be ready to shift on the fly. What's coming up, Jess, on the first day of November? Oh, you mean after uh, we worship the devil and dance around in our uh, satanic, <laughs> ritualistic American costumes or skanky costumes, depending on, I guess, which gender or which way you want to go with it? I think it's going to be All Saints Day after All Souls Day. It is All Saints Day, and it is the day after all those things you said, including when we teach our children how to extort their neighbors get things that they want and if they don't get them to punish their neighbors viciously savagely attacking them Mm -hmm. uh so yes all saints day is coming up and what that means to you and to me might not be what it means to other people so i think real quick let's define what we're talking about all saints day and halloween are very closely linked do you know why yeah well i i know that halloween is all hollows eve so it's the night before All Saints Day. And Hallows are saints. That's what the word means. Hallowed be thy name. Something like that. There you go. I heard a great comparison recently. I want to say it was Patrick Madrid. Uh, I'm not sure. It's lost in the fog of my, my brain. But the comparison was Halloween compared to Mardi Gras. Um, if you don't know anyone doesn't know Mardi Gras Fat Tuesday is the day that precedes Ash Wednesday which is the beginning of Lent for Christians 
And on Fat Tuesday, people sort of party it up because they're going into a very solemn 40 days. Uh, Halloween started off being something similar where the night before All Saints Day, uh, Christian faithful would act out plays where they would dress up like demons and angels and they would have them fighting by firelight and they would have big parties and food and all of that. Well, that makes sense because, you know, if you think about our saints, which we're going to talk about, so many of them lived and died these just heroic, amazing, crazy things. Like it's, of course, when you're a kid, like that's, that's what you're going to talk about. Like that's fun. That's awesome. It's beyond fun. Um, the other thing that we really need to at least spend a second on here, a couple seconds, is what the heck is a saint? Because I'm not sure there's many doctrines, especially of the Catholic faith, faith that are so radically misunderstood by people. Uh, one thing I would just like to say, first and foremost, a saint, to, to me, a saint to the church, a saint basically is someone who is in heaven with God. That's what a saint is. It came from what the word sanctus in Latin, meaning holy, uh, set apart, right? Set apart. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And um, we see reference, well, at least I'm just uh, pulling off the top of my head now, but saints in heaven and on earth are mentioned. So it doesn't necessarily, you know, in an. Um, Official terms nowadays, we have in the Catholicism saints who are officially recognized as saints, but the word saint, like um, our one of our favorite shows, Catholic Answers, Patrick Coffin likes to say, be a saint, what else is there? And a long time ago, it first got me thinking, Wait, I thought a saint was some guy from a million years ago who never did anything wrong and was perfect. And then I started, you know, at some point thinking, no, we're all called to be saints every day. And if you really think about it, what else is there? Because the only people in heaven with God are saints. The church just officially recognizes those who have miracles attached to them, which we're going to talk about. But if you're not on your way to being a saint, what is the alternative? Hmm. Nothing what good. What is the alternative? I'll, I'll say this, though. Uh, there's a process that a person goes through and their spirit and soul goes through, as you know, and, and our faith teaches when they, when we die, uh, we cannot enter heaven until we are worthy of entering heaven. And at that point, when we're there, we become a saint. Uh, When the church calls someone a saint, the church isn't magically making the person a saint. The person is recognizing And I'll tell you this, uh, it surprises most Catholics to see the arduous process. And it really surprises non-Catholics when they actually open their mind and listen to what the church goes through. And and so we will definitely talk about that as we go. But what's related to saints? And, And in my mind, nothing says saint like superhero. Uh, yeah, you and I are both big comic book superhero nerd fan. I guess it's not even nerdy anymore now. It's totally cool, which is good (laughs) because honestly, growing up as you and I like read all these comics and you had ever since you were little, 
I was just, I, I, even though we saw the movies made in like the 80s, I never would have thought it would get to the point it is now where, I mean, I think superhero films like drive the culture. Superhero culture is like driving American culture. And then I think there's something innately good about that. I've always believed that because my working theory, which is probably not super novel, is that like our childlike love of superheroes is this foretaste of what should evolve into a greater affection for real life people who display supernatural abilities or and a supernatural ability honestly it can be some of these really crazy crazy things we're going to talk about miraculous things with the saints but also a supernatural ability i saw this really great uh at on the top of this padre pio website i was looking at it said a supernatural ability could also just be how does it say uh, a phenomenon in which the heart obeys an interior force, the will of God. So basically, supernatural could also just be actually following God. Um, yeah, so anyways, these are saints, and I think saints are superheroes. Well, they, they most definitely are. Um, why do superheroes get looked up to the way they do? Why do you, me, why do people look up to them? What does it take to make someone worthy of being called a superhero in the comic book world and the movie world. They have to have virtue. They're virtuous. What kind of virtue? Well, I don't know. Like there's some, some superheroes that some people like that I don't as much. And I think it's because they're not showing the selfless virtue, the like absolute virtue of some other uh, superheroes. Like I'm not a big fan of Punisher well, is Punisher a superhero or is he an anti-hero? Um, the word I was looking for, by the way, was heroic virtue. Heroic virtue. And keep that in mind in, in a little bit here when we talk about uh, the process of sainthood. But back to the superheroes, they have to have heroic virtue. The real superheroes. They have to have superpowers, right? They have to do things. Well, or Batman Normal people can't smart. do. What do saints have? Saints have heroic virtue, and saints absolutely do things that normal people can't do. Well, normal people can do. Normal, mm. people, normal people ought to do. Define normal. I, I'm defining normal as someone who is not yet a saint. If I you're guess... not yet not yet a saint, can you can you? Uh, can miracles be attributed to you? So you mean that the, yeah, I see what you're saying. So the miraculous things that happen with, okay, you've got to become a saint for that point. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there's one connection, um, the virtue thing for sure. The superpower thing, the fact that in the, in the olden days and, and a lot of people still nowadays, myself included, but in the, in the olden days, saints were looked up to, Every bit as much by by just massive crowds of people, throngs of people, the way superheroes are now. So if they to compare it to the movie going audience, you know, back in back in the old days, like take Saint Francis of Assisi, uh, shortly after his death and his beginning of the the road to sainthood, there, people everywhere were clamoring. Even when he was alive, people were clamoring for this guy. So. Uh, they're very similar. They're very similar to superheroes. So it's easy to see why normal people would look up to someone who 
is very virtuous and is capable of doing amazing things. Well, I think a, the difference that we that we probably should talk about the difference between them is superheroes in comic books typically don't experience anywhere near the sort of suffering that so many of the saints did. Well, uh, maybe what is interesting, though, most of them have a very tragic, usually, um, beginning. Their origin story is often, like, fraught with just death, murder. You know, I'm thinking of Batman and Spider-Man. True. They do They do lose loved ones, etc. Or, but... like, the X-Men, you know, like, for Rogue, it's always so sad that she can't touch her people she loves. Yeah, those are those are all true. I was referring more to the having one's entrails ripped out while you're still alive and being burned alive at the stake and Well, yeah, when we and... yeah, when we write our heroes, we don't want to see that, you know, but that's I guess that's them going the extra mile. Although I wonder, I never read it a lot, but um in like the Superman is dead series, is it anything like that? Is he suff taking on the suffering of the world? Is he taking on some kind of a Christ? So role? funny that, that you mentioned this and we did not talk about this, but Superman has been, especially in the latest movie, man of steel. They're not even shy about it. They make overt, uh, Christ like, metaphors and analogies of him in the movie you can think of that one scene and i could see it in my head right now where he puts his arms out as if he's 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 floating in the air and his arms are out as if he's hung on a cross i mean they, they weren't shy about it so yeah they've they've done that before um which is great i guess you know like if not a little blasphemous but if their their purpose was to draw an analogy of you know heroism the kind of heroism where greater love has a man than to lay down his life and i think the superman death of you're referring to from the 90s was 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 like that there was that doomsday character that was basically destroying the planet and uh superman would never let that happen and literally fought to his last breath so yeah he he basically went the <laughs> the path of, of martyrdom and sainthood and by the way trivia for you uh what does a martyr mean to us Christians as opposed to what it means to another religion that shall remain, remain nameless right now? <laughs> uh, well, a martyr is in somebody who dies for Christianity, dies in the name of Jesus at the hand of somebody who is asking them to renounce their faith or like you've got St. Maximilian Kolbe these are martyrs of the faith. Um, they died for the faith. They're called red saints. Wait, wait, so so they didn't become saints by slaughtering innocent people? <sighs> I didn't realize that that's what uh, the Muslims called them. So is a Muslim uh, martyr somebody who, like, suicide kills themselves while taking out people? Well, they their their martyrs are basically their version of saints. Wow! But their martyrs uh, only become martyrs if they kill infidels yeah. and, and Jews and whatnot. Uh, it's just an interesting comparison. Uh, 
one of many, uh, many. between the two between the two religions. Talking about um, anti-hero, by the way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so we 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 started to talk about the process. So we could knock that out mm-hmm. uh, if you want. And I guess wait, wait, wait. Ways- How about first? Let's talk about some real life supernatural powers that these saints have. Oh. Before we get to how they got there. Okay. I love it. Because this is them just in, this is, I'm talking about, well, I guess some of it is after they're dead, but just to tickle your fancy out there, listeners, what do these saints do besides just being really holy and doing everything for God? Some examples of supernatural phenomena some of the saints have shown. Stigmata. What is stigmata? So some people might not think of that as being a power. I just think it's crazy. It's where uh, the the person sh- sh- bleeds from the same wounds of Christ, usually in the hands and the feet. Yeah, I know who else had that. You mentioned Padre Pio. Padre, why have I? Anyways, Padre Pio, yeah. Probably the most famous stigmata I know of, right? Yeah, well, how about St. Francis? And St. Francis, yeah. Mm-hmm. By location. What's up with that? Why? Why would us? Why would God grant that? And why would why would Catholics consider that a gift to have wounds on your palms and your side and your feet? Why? Why would Catholics think that's a good thing? Because we're so like morbid and gross. Oh, so it's not because we think it's the highest calling to share in the suffering of Christ. Oh, yeah. I I, I don't know. Yes, I think that is uh, actually uh, the reason why it's considered miraculous, why it's something we look up to. Beautiful in its own way. And also, a lot of these time periods, especially, I mean, it's not that long ago. And even if it occurred today, I don't know what medical professionals would say. I find it really interesting how many miracles of the church and the saints have been addressed repeatedly, over and over and over by... uh, medical professionals and they just say and that's okay and yet miracles are still considered to be some kind of like crazy stuff but anyways (laughs) you look at somebody with stigmata and they're not dying they're they're alive and it's not hurting them but they're showing obvious wounds from jesus and i also this is just me thinking this right now but Protestants' aversion to the crucifix and Catholics' embracing of it, I almost think it's kind of a, I don't know, it it, it affirms what we do as Catholics, which is we don't try to hide Jesus on the crucifix. You know, we, we remember that. We take that with us. The priests especially take that with them to the sacrifice of the Mass every time. That well, they- we... We could digress here because I agree with you. And one, another, yet another fundamental misunderstanding of the mass by especially Protestants is that we are, quote, killing Jesus over and over again in the mass every day and reinstituting his sacrifice, which could not be farther from the truth. It's it's an eternal thing. And uh, Okay, so yes, yeah. you're right. Let's go on because we're going to get, I know us, we're going to go on and on and on. So next we have Bible. You got to ring some kind of tangent bell or something so people will know when one of us is going crazy. Okay. Ne- next one is bilocation. Okay, so bilocation, the ability to be in two places or multiple places at once. Again. How is, how is this possible? 
I don't have any idea, but I do know that Padre Pio, again, is one of the saints that is said to have experienced this. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mystical knowledge is one I have listed also. This is, um, I guess, a little bit more vague, some people might say, but just the ability to see into the hearts of people without them speaking. Speaking to us from beyond the grave, which I'll talk about a little bit more with the saint I want to go more into today. Um, bodily incorruptibility. We have some incorruptible mm. bodies from our saints, and it is crazy. When you say incorruptibles... Do you mean that they're upright citizens who are not capable of taking a bribe? Mm-hmm. No, uh, actually, they're more like people who have been dead for like 1,300 years, and their bodies have not decomposed. You lie. In some cases, we're talking about eyes are still moist, fingertips are still colored correctly, lips are still seeming to be... I mean, it's a... It's crazy a, Catholic propaganda. It's it's something. Um, levitation. There's been many uh, accounts of levitation. Speaking to the animals, we talked about last week with uh, St. Francis. The gift of tongues, and not the kind that you see in those evangelical churches on TV. Can I get an amen? <laughs> consuming, amen. Consuming nothing but the Eucharist for many years. I it was just mad to see... Some saints, 13 years, one saint consumed nothing but the Eucharist. Uh, obviously curing people, and then there's also been some raising people from the dead, I'm just saying. Uh, this one we know, this one's in the Bible. No one, no one can argue with that, right? The Bible says it, I believe it, that's the end of it? Testify. Testify. It's not just in the Bible, though. It's in other accounts as well. I'll talk, if you want, I'll talk real quick about the saint that I, I, there's just so many saints and we don't have much, you know, can't take forever, but I, I wanted to pick a saint that I had never heard of and this girl, Saint Clelia, I just, it was beautiful. Her picture was beautiful and the story was beautiful. So Saint Clelia Barbary died of tuberculosis on July 13th, 1870 when she was only 23 Her last words to her religious sisters were prophetic. She said, be brave because I'm going to paradise, but I shall always remain with you. I shall never abandon you. This prophecy was realized as she soon proved her presence by the sounding of her voice. The miraculous phenomenon of her voice first took place during the evening of July 13th, 1871, one year after her death, while the sisters were praying in the chapel. The sisters declared, quote, Suddenly, there was the sound of a high-pitched, harmonious, and heavenly voice that accompanied the singing in the choir. At times, it sang solo. At other times, it harmonized with the choir, moving across from right to left. Sometimes it passed close by the ears of one or other of the sisters. The joy which it brought filled our hearts with a happiness impossible to put into words. This wasn't of this world. We lived that day in paradise. From time to time, one had to leave the room. The emotion that we experienced was so strong that it left you breathless until one had to call out, Enough, dear Lord, enough! Wow. Yeah, I really like that because I like everything about it, you know, that that hope for the afterlife that we all have, the, the idea of these sisters who devote their life to God, getting that kind of uh, affirmation is so beautiful. And that feeling that is described of being overwhelmed by the, by God, even in miraculous things in my life, 
I totally get that. And that's that God fearing thing. You think if, you know, you could, I has not seen because we can't see it. We can't take it in. We can't handle it. Like we're, it's just too much. And even, yeah. even the goodness, the amazing goodness, uh, and awesomeness of that moment, you would think, wait, does that compute? Cause anything good in this world, that's of this world, you can't have too much of it. Like <laughs> if there were 17 Disneyland stacked on top of each other and I could go to all of them at the same time, I would never have that same feeling, that feeling that you get when God is really close to you. That supernatural, that little creepy, like, oh, I can't take it. Not creepy in any kind of a bad way, you know, just right. overwhelming. Well, I just uh, have to go back for a minute to you. You listed off many of the quote supernatural phenomenon that the saints have shown. And I couldn't help but notice that a lot of those sounded very much like you were reading out of a superhero index about there. Here is Superman and his powers are blah, blah, blah. As you rattle those off, it sounded very much like that. So back to our analogy, um, by location, mystical knowledge, speaking beyond the grave, bodily incorruptibility, levitation. Many of these we see in superheroes. You know, Superman can fly, levitation, Wolverine body can't be hurt, it regenerates itself immediately, that kind of thing. Adamantium. Um, uh, uh, yeah, well, that's that's just the clause. The, the healing factor is what he was born with. It's the oh, yeah, that's thing, true. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there's that one X-Man person, or is it a bad guy? I don't even remember now, um, who can, like, split themselves into... 30 or 40 different selves. So you don't know which one you're fighting and, you know, by location. So those things manifest in the comic book world in fantasy, but they manifest in real life with the saints. So how do the superheroes get their powers? Uh, Some of them are born with them like mutants and Superman. Although Superman wasn't born Superman on Krypton. He was just a regular mortal and, only when he came under the yellow sun did he become Superman. And I'll make my own analogy there that the sun gave him his powers, as in the son of God, right? Different kind of sun. But superheroes get their powers a number of different ways. They, they're born with them or they get bitten by something or they get dropped into a vat of nuclear waste or something like that. And then all of a sudden they have these powers. So how do saints get their powers. Uh, let's let's just hit that real quick. And maybe not too quick, but quick. But I want anyone who might be listening who doesn't already know to know that the process of uh, the church declaring that, yes, they recognize that someone is a saint, is it takes a very long time, in some cases hundreds of years, and it takes a lot of things for it to happen. It's not unlike uh, miracles. The church, everyone thinks the church would want everything to be declared a miracle, but there's nobody that wants to disprove more than the Catholic Church when miracles happen, even if they happen at a Catholic church or something. There's no greater critic of that of that miracle than the church, because before they declare something a miracle or someone a saint, they really do their homework. The church really does. Well, yeah, it's so, not that they want it to not be a miracle, but they... There, they will not leave a stone unturned. There will be no... No, but they approach it as if they don't want it to be. Yeah. Because only in that way can they be sure that they're exhaustively going after it. Kind of like our legal system, proven innocent. I think that they, uh, 
or you're, yeah, you're proven innocent until you're assumed innocent until you're proven guilty. I right. think it's assumed normal until it's proven a miracle. So you really, the, 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 whatever they say, the burden right. of proof is 100% on the, the miraculous claim. Yes. Okay. So in a nutshell, let, let me run through it. Uh, stop me. If I go tangent, I'll try not to. Uh, someone, someone lives, uh, what people around them and, and people who watch them think of as a virtuous, very heroically virtuous life. They, this person is clearly, uh, wholly set aside. They, they're, they're of God. You can just tell they do wonderful things in this world. And there's so many examples to name. Let's, let's do one that, that most everybody knows Catholic or not Catholic. Let's do, uh, Pope St. John Paul II or John Paul the Great. Uh, after this holy person dies, this, the process of documenting it cannot begin until five years. Now, that can be waived, and in the case of John Paul the Great, it was waived. Uh, I think two or three years was knocked off of it. The, the waiting period was also waived by the Pope for Mother Teresa. And so rarely that happens. A lot of times, uh, most of the times it doesn't happen. So that five-year period happens. After, after the five years then the bishop of wherever that person died um, has to go through, begin the process, and they petition the Vatican to begin this, this, this process. It's called the cause for beatification and canonization. And if, if there's no objection, then the congregation of the doctrine of the faith begins. Um, they have a, a wonderful thing they call nothing stands in the way or nihil obstat uh, that tells the bishop go ahead and begin the process and then the process begins and once it begins they call the person a servant of God they gave them like a new title Bam. so uh, John Paul the Great received the title servant of God servant of God Pope John Paul II and then they begin the process of the tribunal. They. This is the all. congregation for causes of saints, right? Uh, it's well. It begins with the the congregation for the doctrine of the faith. Oh, okay. Yeah, and and then it goes to another congregation, uh, the the relators, I think it's called. But see, let's not get bogged down. And there, there's there's so much involved here. But basically, now, okay, so now he's been declared a servant of God. So they're saying, yep, there's good cause to, to believe that we need to look into this. So the tribunals begin, these people get together, very smart people who take their time and they go through the writings and they interview and they, every kind of, as a police officer, I can tell you that the exhaustive investigation they do makes normal police work look amateuristic. They leave no stone unturned. They just, once they establish that this person did live and what they're trying for right now is they're trying they're trying to prove that this person lived a life of quote heroic virtue okay um they have to prove that that this person demonstrated that and and there's there's criteria for it all we could you know read the whole thing out of the canon of, of the canon and the, and the rules but that would take all night um and then it goes to the congregation of the causes of the saints, as as you mentioned, Jess. And then there they go, and they're they're doing their thing, 
And once they once they decide that it's happened, they issue what's called a degree of heroic virtue. They send it to the, the Pope himself, and he has final judgment. And if the, the Pope, or as we sometimes call him, the Supreme Pontiff, if he recognizes it, the decree of heroic virtue, at that point, the person receives the next title, and that's venerable. And they'll keep the first title. And so for a while, John Paul and every other uh, eventual saint uh, was known as Venerable Servant of God, John Paul II, or Venerable John Paul. And after this, they start looking for the final, the, really the final piece that's going to say that this person person is definitely someone that we can be sure is in heaven and that is that this person after they died worked miracles and the most common way of proving that is to go through and find cases where regular people prayed to this person to help them and by the way just a, a quick sidebar on praying to saints and, and and we can't have this topic without mentioning it the word pray just means to ask, the way mm -hmm. Catholics use it, okay? It doesn't mean to worship. It means to ask. So um, Also found in, in Scripture. Yeah, in Shakespeare's times, you know, the way they wrote, I pray thee, give me a drink of water. Mm -hmm. uh, that sort of thing, right? So we're not, we're not worshiping anybody but God. When we pray well, wait a second, a wait saint, a second. I thought there's only one mediator between, between us and God, Jesus. Uh, there is. He is the ultimate and only true mediator. So let me ask you this. Uh, if I said to you, Jess, uh, I have a really bad headache and I'm going to the doctor tomorrow and I'm kind of worried about the results. Will you please pray for me? No, you go straight to Jesus, my friend. Do not talk uh, to me. Wait, no, I'm going to. I'm also going to pray to Jesus, but I, I would really like it if you prayed for me, too. Mm, I just don't understand that. Well, I, I, I think it would be great because St. Paul told us over and over and over again in the Bible to pray for each other. Oh, yeah. He constantly asked people to pray for him, and he told everyone to pray for each other, and he said it was very pleasing to God for us to do that. So. And in Revelation, John depicts saints in heaven offering the prayers of those on earth to God. He actually, that's, that's chapter 5, right? Mm -hmm. uh, that is a fact. So... There's that sidebar about praying, and we could have a whole show on that, right? We, we're not worshiping the saints. Uh, we're, we're asking for their intercession. No different than <clears throat> me asking you to pray for my headache. Kind of like using the bat signal. Um, wow. Yes? No? The saint bat signal. We need to come up with one of those. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do it. Oh, wait. We already have one. Praying. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Praying. Brilliant, Watson. All right. So back to John Paul and, and every other saint becoming declared a saint. Uh, now we have people, after John Paul died, praying to him, saying, John Paul, please pray to Jesus for us. Please, please intercede in our cause for us, please. And, and we do this because John Paul, although dead, is if we believe he's a saint in heaven, and we believe he's alive eternally now and still a member of the body of Christ. Death does not separate us. The Bible tells us that too. So it is no more unnatural to ask John Paul to pray for me than it is for me to ask you to pray for me. So there's that. Um, now we have people praying to John Paul. 
and saying, John Paul, please, please pray to Jesus. Please ask Jesus to help us. Please intercede for us. And then all of a sudden, something happens that these people were praying for. It comes true. And a lot of times, a lot of times, it was uh, a loved one, a baby perhaps, suffering from some horrible life-threatening malady and suddenly the person is healed and the doctors are completely stumped well when the doctors are stumped the vatican people the congregation the investigators they go in there with medical doctors of their own world-renowned doctors and scientists and they look into this and they say look what happened how did this baby get healed was there any way is there any way we can explain this and they try and they try and they try and they try and if they're not able to, then they, they write it up and they send it back to the bishop. The bishop sends it to the Vatican. They say, look, we may very well have a miracle here. These people prayed to John Paul for seven straight days while their daughter was in intensive care about to die. And then all of a sudden, bam. Um, so now we have a miracle. And John Paul has... Once it's approved by the Pope, John Paul's miracle is like decreed. They have a decree of the miracle. And at that point, the venerable servant of God, John Paul, becomes blessed. And that's called beatification. Now it's one step away from the final, and all we need now is a second miracle. I have her. <clears throat> do you have his, uh, the first miracle that made him beatified? Uh, I, I've heard it. I don't have it. It was French nun my... uh, Marie Simone Pierre. Uh, oh, and her right. symptoms of Parkinson's disease miraculously went away after right. she prayed to him. And that was what he uh, passed away from as well. Right. Yep. Anyway. Yep. So, so there you go. So the second miracle comes along. It's investigated probably with even more vigor than the first. And another decree of the second miracle comes along and then we have what's called canonization. And at that point they have the right of canonization and the Pope does the whole ceremony thing. And again, we're not that the the church wasn't making John Paul a saint. They were recognizing uh, that John Paul the is second miracle of in heaven with God now interceding for us here on earth, which is what the saints do. Mm -hmm. Interceding for Flora Beth Mora Diaz of Costa Rica who had a terminal brain aneurysm that had was had left her with only a month to live, and it was miraculously cured after praying to Pope John Paul II. That was the second certified miracle. And like we said, I mean, the church spares no expense in, and people think, oh, sure. And if you see the way it's reported in the media, it's like, yeah, and they say this and this supposedly. But then if you actually research this and look into it, the... <laughs> If, if it was, if it was, an, trust me, and you know this, but it, it, if it was possible to disprove these miracles with simple science, any kind of, not simple, any scientific explanation, they would do it. That's all that you would see on every front page of every newspaper. Catholic Church, yeah. liars, claim this normal thing <laughs> was a miracle. And it's, it doesn't happen because the church really does their due diligence 100%, 110% in making sure that these are by all rights miraculous. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Uh, enough of that. Uh
Uh, we understand now that that the church doesn't take it lightly. We understand that the church doesn't make someone a saint. They they recognize it, but the the process of recognition uh, takes a long time and it's it's arduous. Um, we we understand that when we pray to the saints, we're not worshiping them. We're not asking them to uh, play God. We're asking them to intercede with God for us, just the same way we ask one another for that. So basically, the saints are. God's superhero. So if I pray to you to help with my headache, um, you pray to God for me. And then if God, if it's God's will and he helps me and my headache goes away, uh, I have a little minor miracle of my own and I can't ever prove it. But I can tell you anecdotally in my life that I have had people pray for me for certain things and it has come to pass that the prayers were answered. And other times, uh, maybe they weren't answered in the way that I thought, but, uh, I know it's real, and I know it's a power. So these superheroes, God's superheroes are up there. They are up there listening to us, and they are up there interceding, and that's their job. And when we get there, just like on earth, we, you and I have said this a million times, right? It's, it's our job to drag each other to heaven. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to help each other get there. Well, even after we die, if we find ourselves in heaven, our job continues of trying to help people down here. In their in their daily lives and to help them get to heaven. So that's to me that's why saints are the heroes. Um, and and as many saints as the church has declared, and there are a lot, uh, there's many multitudes more whose names we don't know, because again the church isn't making these people saints. We're recognizing it. So how many unknown saints are there? Nobody knows, but we know there's a lot of them. Yeah. So, and uh, actually, I texted. A friend of mine who's an apologist today, just telling him what we're talking about. And he insisted that I think about at least and mention maybe um, that they have flaws and that they're not to, I think his big thing is not to, yes, they're amazing and they are heroes, but also um, unlike superheroes who, well, I'm never going to be, Unless I get bit by a radioactive spider, you know, <laughs> the idea is that we should all, we all have it within us to do it. And uh, so many of them, they're poor, they are, some of them are crippled. There's so, I mean, you pick a malady, pick an infirmity. And we have a saint who overcame, who not just overcame, but I mean, they show you really what you can do, what you can be. Yes. But they have flaws. I mean, St. Augustine, I'm just saying. Well, of course they have flaws. They're human beings. Um, there's none that, that don't. My, my personal favorite saint, St. Saint Thomas Aquinas, uh, I, I think it's, it's arguable that he was one of maybe the two or three smartest human beings who ever lived. This man was amazing, but he also had, he had his flaws. He sometimes had a temper. He just... Just like a regular person, of course, these, they're not perfect on earth. No, no one is, or we wouldn't be on earth, right? Um, and, and finally, to mention about the number of saints and the, the patronage of saints, because we always hear about patron saints. So just a quick word on that. If, if you're a police officer or a military person, you might choose St. Michael, the archangel, as your patron saint. And what the, what the patron saint means, like St. Jude is the patron saint of lost causes. 
Um, St. Anthony is the patron saint of uh, lost things, for example. Uh, people often pray to St. Anthony when they lose things. So a patron saint is basically someone through some reason in their life when they lived on earth. Like, for example, you mentioned the woman who prayed to John Paul about her Parkinson's. Well, John Paul famously suffered from Parkinson's. So he's the patron saint of people with Parkinson's. And saints have, uh, they can have many patronages. They can be patrons of multiple things, and, and most saints are. In fact, if you read uh, any kind of Lives of the Saints book, you'll see after each one, they'll say what they're patrons of. So to me, uh, it's kind of like fantasy football. Mm. You, yeah, you could, you could actually have fun going through a book or even online. Just look up, uh, just go on Google or Yahoo and type in, patron saint of this or pa- just patron saints in general and you'll you'll find web pages that show and it's kind of we fun. could do like a pokemon thing too where we make cards <laughs> with the saints and they battle each other wait my saint michael could beat your wait no 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 saint no. avanacious any day <laughs> well saint michael could beat anyone any day he is the I highest know, when, you get, when you get that pokemon you're like oh you are not going anywhere you are staying with me <laughs> No, we're not. We are not. Not on my watch. Are we going to compare and have the saints fighting one another? It's not going to happen, Jess. It's I like... was. Ref- How about we do saints versus demons or something like that? Can we not have the saints fight each other? All right. Can well... I not have a vision in my head of Thomas Aquinas jousting with Saint Therese of Lisieux, the little but flower? But they're already like it's it's fun. It's just like a game <laughs> because they're already dead. So, oh wow! Okay, okay, wait, wait. We're getting we're going long, but I do have a trivia sidebar. Do you know where the New Orleans Saints? Why they're called the Saints? Uh, I could tell you that I did not know this. No. Yeah, so it's simple. <laughs> they were just they became the 16th uh, NFL team. They were granted their expansion rights on November 1st, 1966. Yay! They're the 16th uh, NFL team, and. November well, there, that, there's a little more. You've got to be more to that. And I'll, I'll say I'm sure without having read into it at all, I will say that I'm relatively sure that it has something to do also with them being in, in New Orleans, Louisiana, and that the Catholic culture in that state and specifically in that city goes way back to the, to the French in the 16 and 1700s. So, yeah. Oui, oui. So there you go. Um, uh, that was a good trivia sidebar. I like that. Wait, here's another one. When I was looking up etymology for the word saint, uh, the, the Wikipedia entry is so great. It says, quote, historians of religion have liberated the category of sainthood from its narrower Christian associations and have employed the term in a more general way to refer to the state <laughs> of special holiness that many religions attribute to certain people. Oh my gosh! <laughs> that's the word. That's the definition for today. This is why I love Wikipedia. They like, li- no. liberated the category of sainthood because it was I, in shackles by those Catholics. They've been this, holding it down in the basement. This uh, acronym that I told to my kids for years and friends of mine and anyone who would listen when they start going on about something they saw on the internet is just, I always remember it myself. Sometimes I'll be seeing something on the internet and I go, Whoa, I remember a C P O T I pronounce it however you want. Anyone can post on the internet and Wikipedia is the poster child for that. Isn't it? 
Yeah. Hey, we've well, got an article about to some Christian thing here. Any feel free, uh hey Wiccans and Satanists, feel free to jump in and edit this document. Almost as bad as the comment section on the YouTube channels, just so you know. I don't know if, I don't know if anything's as good as or bad as that. Um speaking of secular though, um I will say this about the Saints. Uh, and not to necessarily agree with what you just read from Wikipedia, but even secular people good people in general, if they look at the lives of any saint, they will find things to admire there because these are extraordinary people. And I don't care who you are and what your standards are. When you read the lives of these people and what they did and how they lived and how they died, you can't help but just come away from it and just have a large amount of admiration for them. I I firmly believe that the... I mean, I don't think this is probably even arguable, but most conversion stories throughout history have been because of saints. You're not just convinced by reading something. You're convinced by seeing, in reality, people living out the faith, being saints. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know how when you when you watch a movie or you read something, forget the saints for a minute, something about a story of a little kid and a lost dog and the dog turns up just one of those heartwarming uh and and there's virtue in the thing you read about and you just you feel better when it has that it just touches you in that way and you just feel like wow that's what you get when you read about the saints like alvin butler's uh lives of the saints the classic book i think it was written in the late 1800s or something but he really really gives when you read the way he writes the saints you come away just amazed uh he touches on it so well so every morning i will tell you right now every morning of my life before i do anything else i read saint stuff and by saint stuff i mean it might be a lot of times i have uh some books and i have some websites that i go to and i will most of the times at random just pick a saint and not necessarily one of my favorite ones or even one that I know. And I'll just read uh, five to 10 minutes about them or maybe multiple saints because it uplifts me and it makes me really want to reach for that kind of virtue. It it just makes me want to be better. I I read about like a young girl in France dying and all she, you know, she does is, continue changing people's lives for the better and she keeps a good and like uh kiara badano right badano yeah yeah and she's blessed now she's on her way to sainthood 19 year old girl and this is this is from our era this she died in 1990 um of horrible horrible painful awful painful um cancer You, you wouldn't have known it by looking at her though that girl was just joyous yeah, she she was losing her hair to chemotherapy, and and, and she's every, beautiful. She's like a model. She's yeah. gorgeous. And every time uh, some of her hair would fall out, she would offer it up to God and saying, "For you, Jesus." She donated all of her money uh, to a friend of hers who was going to Africa, and just things like that. Well, as she was dying, she was teaching people how to live. Maria and, Goretti stabbed seventeen times by her neighbor. When yeah. she was like 14, and as she's dying, forgives him, prays for him. He ends up becoming a saint. Yeah. 
Anyway, sorry. And no, I, I just it, it just when I when I think of a nineteen year old girl just dying in one of the most horrible ways you could imagine. Um, her final words to her mother at her bedside were goodbye, mom, be happy because I am. You, yeah. What do you do with that? Except just shake your head. Uh, the little, the little flower looking up at her mom and yes. telling her, you're so lucky, mom. You're going to die and be with Jesus soon. <laughs> yeah. That woman, by the way, uh, St. Therese of Lisieux, the little flower, she is my second. Yes, I rank my saints. All right. I, mm, see, sometimes you're po- Pokemon. They, sometimes they. <laughs> Gotta catch them all. Not Pokemon. But anyway, St. Therese, little flower, is. She's an amazing. What, 23 when she died? Um, and again, in dying, teaching others how to live. This is what a saint is. Uh, beyond superheroes. All right. So we, we hit everything except the time travel thing that I wanted to get into, but maybe we'll save that for another day. I'll, I'll tease it by saying this. Um, I'll ask a trivia question. Can, can I pray to God for a person who lived 1,500 years ago? Oh, this is a mind that, bender. This is definitely a whole other episode. Dun, dun, dun. All right. Keep that in mind, because the answer is, you'll see when we get to it. Oh my gosh, I said dun-dun-dun twice in this episode. That's crazy. That's awesome. Whenever whenever you could have that twice, that's almost as good as saying holy cow when we were talking about animals. Just and for the could... record, I may have been conflating. I don't know if Alessandro actually became a saint, but anyways, he did uh, become a good person after killing Maria Gretti. But anyways... Great episode. Right. Good times. It was a good episode. And anytime we can get the NFL superheroes, Pokemon, mm-hmm. Saints, canonization, praying to Saints, and some biblical references out there, uh, I think we might have done our job. And it's timely. This episode's going to air. I'm going to get it up by Halloween. Oh, that would be lovely. Mm-hmm. You mean the Devil Worship Day? Yeah. I like that meme I love that says, we tell our kids not to go to strangers' houses, don't talk to strangers, don't ask for candy, don't take candy from strangers, except on that one day out of the year when we worship the devil. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm going to pray for tonight, by the way? What? As we close this episode, I will share it with you. Tonight I'm going to pray that God will forgive you for wanting the saints to fight one another. (laughs) Oh yeah, right. He loves it. He put All right. Thanks, Pop. All right. Thanks, everyone, all three or 3,000 listeners, and stay tuned for the next one, and it will be a doozy. I promise you that. No marijuana. Marijuana Marijuana-free. Oh, I'm not coming, then. Oh, you're coming. All right. Goodbye. Since, Since Jess is all bantered out, I will close by saying, keep moving forward, people. Adios, Silver. (laughs) 